Welcome to Bench Talk, the week in science. My name is Dave Robinson. And I'm Ashley Best. You're listening to WFMP Louisville, 106.5 FM. This show's about bringing science to the people. We'll be bringing you weekly updates on new research that is important to all of us and celebrating evidence-based policy. We've scoured the library stacks for interesting articles, climbed the hill to stay informed on science policy, and performed some experiments of our own. We're here as a conduit of all things science, so let's get started. Dave here. If you've been listening to Forward Radio much lately, you must know that this is a special time. We're celebrating our third anniversary. Yeah, it was in April of 2017 that 106.5 FM first hit the airwaves here in Louisville, Kentucky. And in honor of this celebration, we have a special episode for you. We'll start with a rebroadcast I made of our big fundraising effort from October of 2018. It's a research article about community radio stations, just like this one. Then we've got a new story about a huge eruption in a black hole that was recently observed. This story comes from our roving reporter, Laura Tanner. Then I'm going to fill you in with a story about a recent international poll about the public's knowledge and attitudes about science. Which countries do you think are most science literate? Then we'll finish up with a commentary about WFMP 106.5 FM Ford Radio and why you should consider donating to our station. None of us get paid here. It's all volunteer run, but we have bills to pay. Please go to our website at forwardradio.org and donate one time or as a sustaining member. Hey there, Dave Robinson here. You're probably already aware that WFMP Radio has their fundraising campaign this week. And in honor of that, I'd like to ask you a personal question. Do you ever feel lonely? Do you ever have feelings of loneliness? Do you ever feel isolated where you feel anxious about a lack of connection or communication with other people? If so, that's what loneliness is. Now, there's a lot of different things that can cause us to feel lonely at different times in our life. Depression, physical illness, or mental illness, alienation from people, troubles at our jobs, troubles with our families, or just anxiety about being around other people. There is a standardized test for loneliness if you want to assess yourself sometime. It was put together by some psychologists at University of California at L.A., and it's called the UCLA Loneliness Scale. It was first published in 1978, and apparently it's still one of the most commonly used ways that psychologists have for measuring loneliness in people. Well, you can easily calculate your own level of loneliness by filling out the questionnaire yourself. It's easy to find on the internet. Just search for UCLA Loneliness Scale. And when you get to it, it'll be a series of 20 multiple choice questions. And then you add up your score for your answers for each question, and it ends up giving you a final score of between 0 and 60. The higher the score, the more lonely you are. I just took the test in preparation for this radio show, and I got a score of 24 out of 60. It takes a score of 43 to be classified as lonely, 
So at least for today, I seem to be doing okay. So I only got a score of 24 today, but I know that in other points in my life, I bet that score fluctuates quite a bit. It's just going to depend on my mood any given day. But basically, I think I'm doing all right because I'm sort of a loner by nature anyway, so I don't really crave or require that much human interaction in my life. And then I'm lucky enough to have some cool people in my life to hang around with when I do want interaction. Cigna, the insurance company, just published a report on loneliness in the United States, and they report that 46% of Americans sometimes or always feel alone or left out. They found that 40% of us sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful. Only about half of Americans are having meaningful in-person social interactions like an extended conversation with a friend or spending quality time with family on a daily basis. Only half of us are having that on a daily basis. And surprisingly, they found that the loneliest generation right now is Generation Z. Those are younger people between the ages of 18 and 22. They're the loneliest generation of all. Well, if you've been following this show at all, you know our MO, our modus operandi, We're here to tell you the latest research on various topics. And guess what? A researcher has just recently published a paper about a resource out there that's been found, and I'm quoting here, that reduces social isolation and enriches community cohesion. Oh my gosh, what is it? What is it that reduces people's loneliness and it helps bring the community together? What is it? It's community radio. This particular paper was published in October of 2017 in an issue of a journal called Radio Journal, International Studies in Broadcast and Audio Media. And this article focuses on community radio in Australia, but I believe it probably holds relevance to the United States as well. I think it probably applies to good old WFMP 106.5 FM forward radio right here in Louisville. This Australian paper is a meta-analysis where the author is examining more than 50 different publications by other researchers on this topic, and he's trying to summarize the results. And this meta-analysis finds three main areas where community broadcasting appears to be helping with what he calls social reconnection. Do you want to know the three ways that community radio helps? Well, the first way is by fostering more social connections. For instance, volunteer opportunities. I'm a volunteer here at WFMP, as are all the other broadcasters who live here in Kentuckiana. They're really a great group of people. I love being able to connect a voice that I hear on the radio with an actual person. And they've been really good about teaching me so much about broadcasting. These various Australian researchers reported that one of the top benefits of being involved in community radio is what they call the joy of social connection, and I feel it all the time. Now, I have to admit, at the moment, Ford Radio doesn't really have much of an organized program for recruiting and utilizing volunteers right now. I wish we did. I just think we need the right people to step in and work on that. Most of the volunteer work right now at Forward Radio is being done by the various hosts you hear on the numerous shows that are broadcast on on our station. But I wish we had volunteers to help get the word out, for instance, about how great and awesome WFMP is. But I can tell you that we are always looking for new broadcasters. 
people who have something to say to our community. And I can also tell you from personal experience, it's a blast. It's really fun. Some of the benefits of volunteering at a community radio station like ours were reported to be improvement in expressing ideas. It makes you more confident at speaking out, thinking more critically about the media, feeling better about themselves, and taking on responsibility. The phrases that radio volunteers used a lot had to do with a greater sense of purpose and making a difference in the community, and that is so true in my own experience. Another way that community radio stations in Australia were promoting social connections, and again, I think it applies here too, it was by broadcasting large amounts of community service announcements, community event calendars, and interviews, things like that. In Australia, they determined that the average community radio station was broadcasting information for 52 individuals or community organizations per week. The second answer to that question of how do community radio stations in Australia fight social isolation has to do with promoting ethnic diversity. Apparently, the Australian public thinks that mainstream media doesn't inform, enlighten, question and imagine audiences from diverse ethnic backgrounds. And that's certainly true here in the United States, too, I think. The paper found that community radio stations helped address that deficiency by either establishing entire community radio stations for specific ethnic groups or by broadcasting specific radio shows in the language of specific immigrant communities, for instance. So Forward Radio is certainly doing this with our all-Spanish shows. And I also think that our syndicated shows like Democracy Now! do a better job of presenting an international perspective or presenting minority viewpoints in a manner and in a quantity that you just don't get from mainstream media. There is another way that community radio stations can help refugees who have recently arrived and who are dealing with the trauma and emotional disturbances stemming from their earlier life or from the challenges of relocation. It's music. I'm pretty impressed with the wide variety of international music I hear on Ford Radio every week, and I'm hoping to hear even more of that in the future. The third way that these researchers reported that community radio can help fight social isolation is by providing a worthwhile source of communication with people who would otherwise be shut out. Like folks who are stuck at home due to illness, poverty, family, old age, etc., we can provide relevant information and entertainment to the homebound or those in nursing homes or hospitals. They also mention artists and musicians who sometimes feel like they are working in a vacuum. Maybe they can't get recognized by mainstream media. Maybe they feel disconnected. Well, community-run radio helps artists and musicians bring their work to a wider audience. I love the way Forward Radio gives local artists and musicians that opportunity, the voice, to show us their creative work. These researchers found that this gave a new hope and confidence to the artist community. Community radio can also give voice to groups that might be feeling isolated due to their personal stories, beliefs, or opinions. Maybe it's a group of college student protesters or civil rights activists or feminists or transgender activists who would otherwise feel disenfranchised, disconnected, marginalized, or downright dissed by mainstream media. Community-run radio, like Forward Radio, can and does help give them a voice, too. 
This Australian paper discusses the specific case of the vision impaired. People who are blind can't use computers or smartphones or television to keep up with the world. Radio is an invaluable way of keeping abreast of world happenings. And then there's the problem of illiteracy. Something like 14% of adults in Kentucky actually cannot read adequately. They could really benefit from a good community radio station like Forward Radio. In the conclusion of this paper, the author states, and I'm quoting, The vital importance of community broadcasting in Australia should not be undervalued as a medium that can ameliorate social isolation and support community cohesion. The joy of social connection articulated by community radio volunteers and listeners is palpable in studies highlighted in this article. For listeners and volunteers alike, community radio allows association with ideas, music, culture, arts, language, current affairs, ethnicity, sexuality, and even a sense of family which are not available via mainstream culture." Unquote. Here, here, I hope you come to the same conclusion about forward radio as these researchers in Australia did. Leave your sense of isolation behind you and promote this radio station to your family, your friends, your neighbors, and join us in bringing a progressive, loving, educational radio alternative to Louisville. Be sure to donate to WFMP-FM Forward Radio. You won't be alone anymore. Thank you. Hi, Bench Talk listeners. Laura Tanner here. Have you heard this? Scientists studying a distant galaxy cluster have discovered the biggest explosion seen in the universe since the Big Bang. This record-breaking gargantuan eruption came from a supermassive black hole in the center of the Ophiuchus galaxy cluster, which is located about 390 light-years from Earth. Astronomers made this record-breaking discovery using X-ray data from NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory and ESA's XXM-Newton and radio data from the Murchison Widefield Array in Australia and the Giant Meter Wave Radio Telescope in India. The eruption happened very slowly over hundreds of millions of years, and it was so powerful it punched a cavity in the cluster plasma, the super-hot gas surrounding the black hole. The mass of gas displaced equals to about one trillion suns, or more than the mass of all the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Astronomers only realized what they had discovered when they combined the X-ray information along with the radio data. Dr. Maxim Markovich, co-author from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, said, quote, The radio data fit inside the X-rays like a hand in a glove. This is the clincher that tells us an eruption of unprecedented size occurred here, end quote. Professor Melanie Johnson Hollett from Curtin University, note of the International Center for Radio Astronomy Research, said, quote, This finding underscores the importance of studying the universe at different wavelengths. Going back and doing a multi-wavelength study has really made the difference. We made this discovery with Phase 1 of the Murchison Wide Field Array when the telescope had 2,048 antennas pointed towards the sky. We're soon going to be gathering observations with 4,096 antennas, which should be 10 times more sensitive. I think that's pretty exciting, end quote. While much has been learned about the galaxy cluster of Fucus through X-ray and radio telescopes, more data will be needed to answer many remaining questions this object poses.
currently listening to Bench Talk, the weekend science at WFMP 106.5 here in Louisville, Kentucky. Here's a question for you. Of all the countries in the world, which one do you think has the greatest proportion of people who think that they know either a lot or some about science? And then do you think that that country that thinks they know so much about science, do you think they actually do? Or are they just overconfident? Well, this was just measured in a Gallup World Poll that was just reported about in Science Magazine on June 18th, 2019. The country with the highest proportion of people who think they know quite a bit about science? Yep, it's the United States. It was about 78% of us who declared that we knew either a lot or some about science. 78% of us. Now, the worldwide average was 57%. And compare that to only 23% of Chinese thinking that they know quite a bit about science. And then guess what? Worldwide, more men thought that they knew either a lot or some about science compared to women. And men, it was 48% of the men worldwide who said they knew quite a bit, while in women, it was only 38% who had that much confidence. I think the discrepancy with worldwide average is whether they expressed it on a country basis or per capita basis. And how justified is this self-confidence if you also examine people's scores on standardized science exams? Not so great if you're talking about the United States. There were at least eight other countries that scored higher for actual knowledge of science than the United States, even though their self-confidence about their knowledge was significantly lower. This includes countries like Finland and Singapore. They actually know more about science, but don't admit it, whereas here in the United States, we think we're great at science, but are not necessarily all that wonderful. And the country with the lowest science test scores? Yemen. But at least they also had quite low self-confidence about how much science they knew. China, Japan, and Indonesia also had pretty low self-confidence about how much science they knew, but those countries actually did quite well on standardized science exams, although not as well as U.S., Finland, and Singapore. This poll also queried people around the world about their trust in scientists. The part of the world with the greatest trust in science? Wealthier countries, like in Northern and Western Europe. The least trust? in the poorer countries in Central Africa and South America. North America was somewhere in the middle of this spectrum about how much they trusted science. The good news is that the world as a whole, 72%, have either high or medium trust in scientists. Thanks for hanging in there on our special Pledge Drive show this week. WFMP is celebrating its third year of broadcasting. Dr. Dave here again. I think communication is an interesting thing. I remember back in the fall of 2011 when the occupied Louisville encampment was taking place in downtown Louisville. I was so impressed with that. I loved the democratic way that the camp was run and how they communicated. 
Everyone got to speak if they wanted to. There were these different hand signals that people would make indicating their opinions or responses about one issue or another. It was really neat. Then, five or six years later, January 20th, 2017, I remember helping the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression put on their People's Inauguration. We held that in downtown Louisville in the exact same spot as the original Occupy Louisville encampment, and it was done at exactly the time of Agent Orange's inauguration in Washington, D.C. I remember the day before going out and purchasing this huge megaphone for this People's Inauguration event. I figured that with Donald Trump in the White House, we were going to need a really big megaphone. Well, combine these two things and you sort of have forward radio, you know? Progressive, grassroots, democratically run, providing a strong voice to the people. We provide a megaphone. It's a huge megaphone for the 99% of us who are expected to consume media and not actually make it ourselves. In honor of this occasion, I have written a very special poem. Here it is. Alternative Radio, we so need you now to inform us, inspire, and make us smile. We've got local programs galore about schools, single-payer, and critical thinking. We've got shows on sustainability and the media, on race, on peace, on urban voices, why we are an oral encyclopedia. So make you some choices. Listen to Ralph Nader, Amy Goodman, or Liz Show. Donate to Ford Radio and watch us grow. You get a little bit of everything listening to Bench Talk the Week in Science. That's true for this radio station, too. Be sure to visit our site, www.forwardradio.org, today and donate a bit of money to keep us going. National Public Radio suspended their fund drive this month, but they've got lots of money already from the government and from corporate sponsors. We don't, and we hope you consider helping the radio station out. So here's what you need to do. Go to forwardradio.org, go to that website, and find our pledge page. We need to raise $10,000 to stay on the air another year. And you can help us reach that goal. Give what you can. Every little bit helps us achieve that goal. Consider becoming a sustaining donor at $5 or $10 or more per month. Choose the level that's right for you, of course, on the PayPal link at the bottom of the page at forwardradio.org, and your account could be automatically charged each month. It's really easy and painless, and you'd really be supporting something important. As you know, we don't play commercials on this channel, so we really need your support to keep us going. We don't waste money either. We're a lean, mean, efficient fighting machine. So go ahead to forwardradio.org right now and pledge. I'll wait. Go ahead, do it. I'm waiting. Waiting. Anyway, I know you'll do it. Thank you. Well, that's the show this week. Thank you for listening to Bench Talk, the week in science. We think the world is a fascinating place, and science is a good way to explore it. Science truly empowers all of us. If you want to learn more about the show, go to our Facebook page. Just search for Bench Talk, two words on Facebook. You can also email us at benchtalkradio at gmail.com. That's one word, 
benchtalkradio at gmail.com. Now, all of our episodes are podcasted on SoundCloud, so just visit the station's website at www.forwardradio.org and scroll down to the program archives. That's www.forwardradio.org to listen to any of our old episodes. If you live outside of the Louisville broadcast area, you can still listen to us on live stream at that same website, www.forwardradio.org. This show is broadcast on WFMP LP 106.5 FM every Monday at 7.30 p.m. That's Eastern Time. 11.30 a.m. every Tuesday and 7.30 a.m. every Wednesday. Thank you for listening to WFMP LP 106.5 FM, your grassroots, volunteer-run, listener-supported community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky where there is still a little room for evidence-based rational analysis. Thank you.